I think as I've gotten older, I've realized how how much greater of an accomplishment uh, representing your country at a high level is. My country is, is a well-known country. It's a really small country, well-known, and it has a mm-hmm. lot of influence on the planet. And I think we have a lot of good basketball players that come from there. Yeah, if we had a team of, of all the best of us, I think we could make some noise in the world. Just to put us on the map, because a lot of people don't know that, you know, we uh, we have great players who come out of Jamaica. Just knowing, like, the hard work is paying off, like, putting on a Jamaican jersey, like, where you're actually from. Like, this, this is really great to know. For me personally, it's always an honor to play for your country. And I would love to play in the Olympics, you know, representing Jamaica. I always see the Olympics and it's always track, track and field. So if we can get a basketball team there, I think we, we can do something. Cause we have, a, we have the talent. We haven't made that break out to the world as a nation. You know, and that is where my, my eyes are set and my goals are. That would, that would mean, that would mean a lot to me. That would mean so much to like, and that's also like saying, giving back to my country, you know what I'm saying? Like playing for them and everything, giving them my blood, sweat and tears and everything in the game in one of those uniforms, it will be like a dream come true for real. Great, Paris, the, one of the best fashion places in America, in the world, with, your, with the best, one of the best Caribbean countries in the world, um, that would be great. It's nothing like it. It's nothing like playing for, for the national team, especially when you're playing at home. There's nothing like it, you know, especially when they, they mention your name and you come out and, then, you know, the, the Jamaican people deal with you. At the end of the day, regardless of what level you're playing, to come back home to your country, to your people, and to be able to represent your country, that's a huge honor. I don't care how developed the program is, how advanced the facilities or anything like that. If you're representing your country, that's something you take pride in. Can we play with so much pride? They come in as a vacation. This is a pride for us. We're trying to... We're trying to, you know, we 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 play for the national flag. We're playing for the, the colors. You know what I mean? They're just playing mm. for the play. You know what I mean? So so, it's a it's a glorious feeling, man. It means the world to me, just to have the opportunity to be able to play for my country where I was born. If it can happen for me, it can happen for you. And to be able to show my country 
that you know I'm worthy or whatever is it's amazing. Welcome back. This is the Jamaica Basketball Project and another edition. And uh, thanks for joining me today. Um, hope you're doing it on the live stream. And if you're watching on a recorded uh, version of this later, appreciate it very much. Just a reminder of what we're doing. We're just trying to introduce the Jamaica basketball program to the world and, and announce our presence to, to everyone within earshot and uh, Kind of let you know what we're doing and what we're all about. Of course, um, one of the things that is the focus of the Jamaica Basketball Project, which is a 501c3 organization in the U.S., uh, is that we're looking for some funding, um, some funding routes, I guess, if you will, because we have a goal of making the Paris 2024 Olympics, and um, we can't do it without the help of, of many. And we want you to get on board and, and join our team. We started doing these live streams right kind of when the pandemic stuff hit. And we've had an opportunity to talk to a number of uh, really cool people and uh, people with great backgrounds, both in basketball and outside of basketball. And, and when I first started doing this, as I, as I mentioned, I wanted to create awareness for, for, for what our program is and what it's all about. And in doing so, I kind of wanted to, to highlight not just people that were interested in basketball. Um, and I've said this before, if you have an interest in, in basketball, um, then this project might be something uh, for you. If you have an interest in Jamaica, if you spent your honeymoon there, if your parents were from Jamaica, if you um, like the Jamaica bobsled team or love watching Usain Bolt or, or whatever that connection is, then this project might be for you. Or if you're a person that can appreciate what giving can do and what athletics can do to lift communities up and individuals, then this um, project might be for you as well. So in the search of, of finding compelling people to talk to, um, I'm looking for greatness. And um, that is the case today as well. So um, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I've been waiting, making him wait backstage for far too long now. I'm going to welcome him in right now, but, but uh, with, a, with a brief introduction. Um, Ika Wilmot is part of the, let's call it the first family of Jamaican surfing. surfing. He's also uh, the Jamaica's first professional surfer. I'm going to welcome him in now. Ika, how you doing, man? Yeah, man, I'm good. How are you guys? Good. You're in, now you're in Bull Bay, right? Yeah. In, okay. And um, how, how are things in Kingston? It's like 40 degrees here in Seattle right now. I'm freezing. I'm, I'm wishing I was hanging out with you guys. Yeah, it was, it was quite warm today, you know. Not much wind lately. It's been a little bit of wind, but like from night. Sorry, I've got... Okay, sorry, I my don't friend, know what that was. That was me. Sorry about okay, that. Okay, cool. I've got... Yeah, but... I'll, I'll just I'll tell you just real quick. 
I, there was a big storm that came through Seattle and it, it knocked a, it blew a tree on my house. Oh, and so I've wow. got guys outside right now working, working on your house off my, okay, off wow. my house and the door just opened. So I apologize, but okay. No, but yeah, it's nice. It's nice down, down in Jamaica and you're in Bull Bay. And do you know my guy, Ronnie, who lives in Bull Bay, the uh, Rasta guy that makes kites? Yeah, he lives right around the street from me. Like that's oh really? Like like five minutes walk on the beach. Oh, is that right? We surf, yeah, we surf right behind his house there. It's a oh, surf okay. spot we call L Spot. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Ronnie, um, I've been doing basketball camps in Kingston for twenty mm -hmm. years. And we have a coach's party at the end of every week of camp at Ronnie's okay. place. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. He's always he's super cool and he's got the great spread what a great spot he's got there yeah it's wonderful it's and like lately i don't know how when last you've been there but he fixed it up a bit more and put like the deck on the front by the ocean it's like raised it up and there's like a big like wooden deck that sticks out over the beach yeah and like some shades on the sides and it's like really nice a really cool spot to hang out for the sunsets and you know just yeah. even to watch the guys surf yeah, really yeah, nice. cool. So when we come back, hopefully, fingers crossed, this summer for camp, yeah, you'll have to come out for our coaches' party. Say hi. Yeah, man, for yeah. sure, for yeah. sure. Hey, how did you get involved in surfing? I've read a little bit about it, but why don't, and in your own words, like, like, tell me about how you got involved with it. Well, I learned from my dad. Yeah. Um, he taught all of his kids because he learned surfing from a guy called Terence Machette who was camping out on the beach back in like the late 60s and early 70s. He was camping out on the beach right here behind my house. And one day my dad and his friends saw him like in a sleeping bag on the beach with some surfboards and went up to him and was like, hey, sir, could we, you know, yeah. borrow one of your boards? And he was like, yeah, go for it. And then when he saw that, like my dad was like naturally talented, like rode board without fins, he like actually caught the wave and stood up and it spun off and he fell. And he was like, oh, this kid is really good. So he taught my dad how to surf. And then over the years, they just became really good friends. And then my dad taught us how to surf afterwards as we yeah. got older. Yeah. So, so how, old were you? how old were you when you first stood up and were able to ride your I, own wave? I don't know. I can't remember so when young. I started surfing. Yeah. I, we, we grew up here on the beach and my dad always had boards. So I always there were always surfboards in the yard. So we would always be out there just messing around on the waves and just, you know, riding them into the beach and wrecking all the boards. But um, I know that when we were about, when I was probably about nine, I think, was when me and my brothers really like started pushing each other to like really get good. But we've been yeah. surfing from way before that. So I'd say maybe since I was probably about six or seven, maybe. Yeah. So I'm a little embarrassed that I, that I don't know this, but but I'm 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 learning things about Jamaica as I as I become come um, more entrenched in, in the program and whatnot. You're, I'm I'm told your dad is a pretty famous musician. Yeah. 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 So, he's, I mean, he's give, a, me, he's give a, me a little bit of that, that background. Billy, right? Yeah. His yeah. name is Billy. Well, his performing name is Billy Mystic. Yeah. Um, he is a lead singer of a band called the Mystic Revealers. They used to be really popular back in the 90s and like would tour Europe and tour America and like they would always be doing huge shows. I think they did like seven albums, I think. Yeah. Um, and they actually just released one 
their latest album this past October, the oh, 10th cool. of October, which is on my grandfather's birthday, my late grandfather's birthday. So my father father's birthday. Yeah. Um, so he, he just released a new album after like, like 15 years of not doing any music. He finally, you know, got back yeah. on the wagon and got it going again. Yeah, um, cool. And I saw yeah, some he, Instagram pictures with you with a guitar in your hand. Yeah, I play bass guitar. You know, you know, me and my brothers, we play music together. And then I also play with a singer friend of ours called Micah Shamaya. Um, uh -huh. He's a reggae artist. And, you know, we, I went on tour with him a couple of times. And, yeah, it's, you know, music, it's in our blood. It's in our, it's in our culture. So it's hard to stay away from it. And growing up around my father, rehearsing every day right out here in, in the yard, and just kind of, you know, my, when I once I got a little bit older, I was like maybe nine or ten. Yeah. My my dad gave me a bass guitar for my birthday, and he gave my brother a, a electric guitar and he gave my other brother a keyboard. Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, that's birthday presents." And then we we started playing music together, and that's how we kind of got really into it. Oh, and we cool. started our little band, and you know, it's led to quite a few fun experiences. You know. Yeah. No, that's great, man. So, and yeah. then. During this whole craziness of the pandemic, you guys were doing some, um, you guys were doing some live streaming, weren't you? you have some music stuff. Yeah. Where, where yeah, was that we, from? Was that, that from was your place? Right or? here, right here in our place. Um, yeah. It was well, our jam. We usually do a jam session every other Saturday night, and we had yeah. that going for like fifteen years. Yeah. Started in like two thousand and seven, I think it was something like that. Um, Around about 2007 and it was like every other saturday night rain or shine we had it you know yeah, yeah. and with the whole pandemic thing with like you can't have gatherings or anything anymore so to keep the music going in jamaica we said okay well let's do a live stream thing every thursday night and we did it for like one season which was three months yeah um, and we did that for three months and then we took a break because right after that was when my father was releasing his album. So we all put our efforts into like getting that done. Yeah. And then now we're planning to start one back up, um, another season from, I think, February to April. Yeah. And then we're going to break and then come back in the summer and do a summer season and then break and then do a winter season, you know? Yeah, so that's kind of how we're doing it. Just like three months and then like a month or two just to kind of recoup and just like see how it went and just you know yeah. work on it and then go again for another three months um it's, so yeah yeah it's i feel terrible i mean this has affected people in so many people in in negative ways but musicians their yeah. livelihood nowadays you know because yep. the record industry has changed so much is yep. touring yeah. You know, and when you can't tour, it just it's so it's so hard to get your music out. There's there's nothing you can do as a musician, you know, like touring is everything yeah. right nowadays. And if you can't tour, there's no no income for you as a musician unless like you're in a band that's kind of well known, then maybe it's some like sound systems will like ask you to like do a dub plate for them and you like you build a rhythm and you play a rhythm and the yeah. singer sings something and you know like that's kind of the only real thing yeah. going on right now which is not that great you know for musicians <laughs> it's really horrible really struggling a lot of musicians are really struggling yeah. right now no, for, for sure for sure yeah so i don't know why but 
um, I had never really thought about surfing in Jamaica um, yeah. because it makes all the sense in the world. And I was yeah. talking to a, a buddy of mine who lives in Hawaii and, and we were talking about, you know, different people that we could get on the live stream and, and talk yeah. to. And, and, and he, he said, are there any great Jamaican surfers? Cause he's kind of dialed into surfing being in Hawaii. And yeah. so I started, I started looking it up and, and, you know, there is a, a little bit of a surf culture and, and in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Want to yeah. yeah, talk to me about that a little bit? I mean, is it uh, you're the you are or were the first pro? Are there others kind of um, following? I I what? was the first. Um, I just kind of made up my mind to just do it. You know. Yeah. What? How um, does that happen? How do How do you How How, how does well, How does someone be a pro surfer? Well, first of all, you have to just it's kind of a tricky situation especially coming from jamaica where there's no real surf industry here right um so yeah the surf scene here is really small and all the waves in jamaica are on the eastern end of the island and all the tourism and all the development and all the focus of international eyes on jamaica is on the northwestern side of the island where it's nice and calm so mm -hmm. people would never have any clue that there's surfing waves in jamaica and you know, it's just because it's not seen anywhere. Yeah. Um, but when when I started to get good and, you know, my dad, we'd, he started the surfing association and we'd like go to the world championships. I'd go to the junior championships. And like, um, I think it was in 2003 was the first year that I did really well in the in the junior championships. And also in the Pan American Juniors, I got like 11th. I made it to like the quarterfinals in the Pan American Juniors. And then that's when I landed my first made major sponsor. I was sponsored by Reef. Um, so, yeah. And then that kind of like put me out in the public light, you know, in the industry. Like, hey, this is a Jamaican guy who can surf, you know. Yeah. And then I, um, after that, it was, you know, back in Jamaica and just kind of doing school and whatever. And then when I was in my, in university, actually, um, was when I really decided I was going to do, was going to pursue surfing fully because yeah. I actually was skateboarding and I fell and I broke my femur. Oh, and yeah, it was pretty horrible. I couldn't walk for like four or five months. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Um, I couldn't walk for a while and then that was when I was like I decided like hey, if I'm going to be doing anything as a career I'm going to at least try surfing for a while just because you know it's what I love doing and then as soon as I finished I just kind of packed my bags and I went out and there's this big convention called the Surf Expo it's a big expo that all the brands from all over the world go and like they you know it's a marketing kind of event and you know they market their products and look for new athletes and I went to that one year and I ended up talking to a bunch of different guys and you know landed a few good contacts with a few companies and then that's when I you know with those contacts and like you know everyone is like yeah Jamaica it's it's a good it's a good sell you know yeah so it was I was able to get some support through that to then start pursuing surfing more as a career and then, yeah, it just kind of slowly built up and I slowly started doing a few more trips, doing more events, going on photo trips, you know, getting a couple of really good photos in a couple of magazines. Um, 
yeah, and then slowly it just grew from there until, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it became a career. So when you're a pro surfer, I think I I kind of know the answer to this, but 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 I'm not a hundred percent sure. Obviously, you have to do well in competitions in order to to grow your career. But Some but people, yeah. Well, but that's what I was going to say. I mean, there's also, yeah, and you touched on it. There's got to be like kind of a marketing part to it too. If you're yeah. marketable, people, yeah. sponsors want to get behind you. Yeah. At some point, you may not have to win or you know be in the top of every single tournament, but as long as you're competing and you're marketable, then you can kind of keep a career going. Am I right about that? Or um. Nowadays, it's a lot. It's even different than that too. Like originally, you had to be competing because the industry was really focused on. That picture was from a trip I went to Haiti, actually. <laughs> oh. But anyways, yeah, um, the the industry was like really focused on competition because it was so small at the time. Surfing was not like a big, huge international sport like mm -hmm. football or you know mm -hmm. those kind of sports. So it's like it was really event focused like results focused so in order to do surfing as a career you had to be doing events and doing well in events and then the the, the companies that you would get sponsored by would have you on a contract where they'd be paying you a salary every month and covering all your travel and as long as you keep you know your requirements will be like okay you're going to compete in this many events a year um you're going to be available for these these many photo shoots and whatever trips they have planned. And as long as you keep your ranking really high and, you know, keep your image really good, um, then, you know, once you have a good reputation, they'll be like, all right, we'll keep your contract going on, you know. But nowadays, it's a lot different because the industry is opening up a lot more now where there are people who have really good styles of surfing. They just look, like, pleasing to watch surfing and maybe yeah. not doing the biggest tricks where they won't be winning events, but they're just looking like really smooth, really fluid surfing and just like a, you know, a, a, a pleasure to watch as opposed to winning events. Yeah. And so now with that aspect to it, a lot of companies are actually sponsoring surfers now as free surfers. So they're getting paid to just go and surf and like shoot videos and, you know, make video parts and do photo shoots to just look really cool surfing and just kind of to reach out to the non-competitive side of the industry, you know, so yeah. all the people who aren't really, you know, into competing and they just want to surf for the love of it. Now they have a role model that surfs for the love of it and is really big and being pushed internationally. So like yeah. I, when I started surfing, I did the whole competition thing and I was traveling, competing like three events a month, just like, going from country to country every every month just moving around and then um now my younger brother Iva, he is signed with a company called rourke and he's a sponsored style free surfer so oh, cool. he doesn't compete like oh. he's just a really cool image yeah. he is really artistic he does really good art he makes really good music he surfs really fluid and smooth it's like really pleasing to watch and it's just like they they like his persona, yeah. you know, his, who he is, what he does. It's just really interesting. And like, it just matches with the brand, what the brand is pushing. And so they're like, yeah, you don't have to do competitions. Just be you, 
be cool and just keep being awesome and we love it and all your fans love it so just do that and once you're doing that you'll attract people to our brand because we're associated with you yeah you know being so, awesome. that's, that's a yeah great motto right yeah so that's that's like the new school kind of sponsorship yeah. like option as well so it's not just competing it's also like you know you could just be a really cool surfer and just have a really good vibe and that could make a career for you as well. Well, I'm listening to you talk and I'm getting a million questions going through my head and I should be taking notes because I'm going to forget them all. But yeah, what, so as far as a, I, I'm a, I'm a, a neophyte to the surfing world. So yeah. um, as far as a competition goes, yeah. what are you getting judged? Are you getting judged on your style or are you getting judged on, on how, huge the wave is or how you how well you ride it like there's some subjectivity in the judging right yeah yeah um it's it's subjective yes um and that's why you have multiple judges like some events you'll have like a judging panel of five judges just so it kind of balances out um but generally you go out for like maybe 20 minutes roundabout and you're allowed a maximum of 10, around about 10, 12 waves, depending on how consistent the waves are coming in and how many people are surfing in that heat. Yeah. You go in heats, say like two to four people at a time, and then you're allowed 10 waves and you get scored on. You get your top two give you your total to then compete to, to get the rankings for the heat. And each wave, you're, you're scored on the length of the ride, the number of maneuvers you do, um, how critical of a maneuver each of those are and where on the wave you perform those maneuvers mm-hmm. so like doing a turn right where the wave is curling is going to get you more points than doing it way out pass out on the shoulder where it's kind of more flat you know so then more vertical maneuvers and how many how much water gets like displaced when you do your turns so if you do a really powerful turn and the water like shoots off the back of the board you get more points because it's power yeah and how, how much speed you keep, how much power you have, and then how well you connect your turns one to the other. So, you know, and then also there's always the aspect of innovative maneuvers. So if you can do like aerials or 360s or flips or anything, it would get scored higher than just a turn, you know, so. So if a guy invents a new maneuver, yeah. does he need to let the judges know ahead of time, I'm going to try this, I'm going to do this, so no. they recognize when it's happening or no. if they see just, something just, new just, yeah they they'll just reward you for yeah they reward you on the on the spot because surfing when you go out for 20 minutes it's not like everyone's catching the same wave every wave is different mm-hmm. you know so it's like it's also a big gamble in what waves you catch because when the waves come in they come in sets and there'll be like maybe six or eight waves and you can be like okay I'm going to catch this one doesn't look so good. I'm going to catch a second one and you catch a second one and it just happens to go for a bit and then shuts down and you get to do like maybe two turns. And then the third one goes like five times as long as the one you got, you yeah, know? Yeah. So then this person on the third one will get like 10 turns where you only got like two. Well, you know? And then also depending on the wave, his wave could be standing up a lot more vertical. So his turns would be more critical and your turns are the waves more flat. So it's like more laid back, slower turns. So then it's, that's also a big part of it too. You know, so 
it's it's all a big gamble and you know you just work with pick the best wave you can and just work with what you got well when you're picking waves how much of it is luck and how much of it is experience to know that i'm going to let this one pass and i can see something out there that's coming that's going to be better or is it yeah. just kind of luck of the draw of where you are and it's 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 a bit of both um you can never know exactly what's going to happen with a wave before it breaks. Even while it's breaking and you're riding, you can think, oh, that part down there looks like it's going to do that. And by the time you get to that section, it does something else, you know? So it's, it's a bit of luck, but it's also a lot of like anal anal analyzing the waves and just like knowing what happens. Because for example, if I go to an event and I'm going to go surf at eight o'clock, like my heat schedule at eight and I'll be checking the tide and it's like, okay, it's going to be low tide when I'm supposed to be in the water. So I'd go to the spot on low tide and I'd surf it on low tide to see how the waves break in that tide and that wind direction. And then like when the waves are coming in, you can be like, okay, when the sets come in, there's four waves and the second and third ones are the better ones, you know? just yeah. because you've been out there surfing all morning. So when you go out in your, your heat now in the competition, you will know that the second and third waves are the best waves. And when there's four people in the water, when the sets come in, everyone's going to be trying to out-position each other to be in the right spot to catch the second and third wave. Right. So a lot, of, you know, a lot of that comes into play, just like knowing what waves are going to be good and knowing where to be, how to position yourself so that when that wave does come, you're in the right spot. So it will be, you'll have the right of way to get on that wave and everyone else has to stop and let you have that one. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty tricky. It's a very unique sport. In yeah. That aspect. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool. You know, I, I know that whenever you're competing in whatever sport it is at a high level, yeah. you are surrounded by people who are um, extremely competitive, right? Yep. And, and I can totally, in, in, at least in my mind, I can picture the competitive nature of professional surfers. But it also yeah. is a culture that, that, from an outsider's perspective, seems really laid back. Yeah. And, and, and so I wonder what it's like when you're in the water, when, you, when you're competing, and, and knowing that those, that, that those people are, uh, you know, everyone's there to win. Yeah. Um, is it is it different it's, from other sports, or or is it just um, kind of the same? Like I'm here, it, I'm it, here to it, beat you, and I'm going to beat you. I'm going to yeah. do what I can to take this wave from you. Yeah, it's 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 just like that. It's just like any other sport. You're there to win, and yeah. you know, it's just a matter of when it's on, you're a competitor. Yeah. But as soon as the heat's done. Your surfers again, you know, yeah. you're cool, chill, mellow, just having fun, like laid back, just like everyone else was, is, um, yeah. it's just that when you're in the water, you could be best friends before the event starts. And once you paddle out and that horn blows and it's like, it's on, you need to catch the best two waves out of the four guys that are out there. You're going to yeah. do your best to catch those best two waves. And everyone knows that's what happens. So even best friends will be like intense competitors even against each other you know yeah. are there it's, ever it's, any dirty tricks yeah people people pull tricks a lot like what? nowadays it's not so frequent anymore um yeah. because they've adjusted a lot of the rules of the game to like 
allow for less hassling, less like blocking. So for example, like if a wave is coming in mm -hmm. and like I'm trying to be in position for this wave and I'm standing right in the middle here, the person who's closest to where the wave is going to start breaking, it's their wave, right? So what people would normally do is they team up on someone. Unspoken rule. It's their Yeah, wave. no, that's 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 how it is. Yeah. Whoever's closest to the wave the, where the wave is breaking, it's their wave. That's unspoken rule. That's how it was forever. But then it's also like written rules in competition. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh okay. because they had to make sure everyone just doesn't like go and crash into each other. So you would go out and you'd be sitting in position and then like you're sitting here and a wave is coming in and say for example the wave breaks in both directions, which we call left and right. So and you'd be right in the middle, so you can go either way. But then you'd have two guys that sit on either side of you, even though you're in the middle. So if you're going to go in one direction, the one on the other side would go behind you and then you have to back out. And then if you go in the other direction, the one on that other side goes behind you and you back out. And, you know, so people do things like that. Like if I was going out in a heat with someone I know, I would just be like, hey, that guy is the, you know, they'd be like, that guy is a dangerous guy. Let's block him off all the waves. And then he'll go out and he could be the best surfer and not catch any waves. Yeah. Just because the two other guys are like blocking him the whole time. Yeah. You know? Did you love it from the beginning or or did you learn to love it? Surfing? Yeah. Um, it's it's a very unique sport and the feeling of surfing is unlike anything else. Like just standing up on a wave, hit you right away? it hits you right away. Yeah. Trust me, I teach people to surf and every time someone gets a wave and they stand up on that wave and it's like, wow, they love it. You know, and it's like, everyone says, it's like flying, you know, it's like no one can explain what it feels like, you know, yeah. you, their, their best, their best, the best thing they can do is saying like, yeah, it's just like you're flying. And when you're on the board and the board's like just gliding over the water, it's just it's just a unique feeling that most people don't really know how to even express properly. So yeah, it's it's nice. And as I said, it's something that if you love it, you know it right away. And then the feeling is pretty cool that even if you're not like really, really hooked and want to do it forever, you're really still gonna enjoy doing it. It's just that, you know, you might be like, oh yeah, you know, it's a little bit too physical for me you know yeah. but if you really you still do really enjoy it and it's a lifetime sport right yeah you can pretty much do it forever to, to some level yeah you can surf forever until you can't you know move yeah. basically like my grandfather my late grandfather he his first time surfing he was like 93 his first time yeah he didn't oh, stand up we brought him out you know, we brought him out, put him on a big, huge board, and he was like riding it on his belly with his arms like this, and it's like leaning side to side and riding the wave in on his stomach. You yeah. know, he was like, that was his first time surfing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, so what is surfing like in Jamaica compared to, I guess, let's just start with other places in the Caribbean. What the the waves, and I don't mean the 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 the, the people or the culture so much, but the the um, What's available to you as a surfer in Jamaica? Do you have good waves? Are there good beaches? There's uh, um, the whole Caribbean has really good waves, really good beaches, really good quality waves, um, world class waves throughout the whole Caribbean. Not many people know that and realize that, but it is amazing. There are some islands here that are like 
people don't know, but like a lot of like big international surf magazines and videos and video parts and stuff that people are like raving over have been shot in the Caribbean. Yeah. It's just that they don't mention that, you know, they put some random name, you know, like, yeah. you know, you'll see a picture of this perfect wave and someone surfing it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is on Pirate's Island. You know, it's like there's no island called Pirates Island, and you look the whole map of the world, and there's no Pirates Island, you know, or yeah, something right. like that, just to just to yeah. keep it cool and keep it quiet, because a lot of the communities here, because the islands are so small, and even though the the waves are really good, but if two hundred tourists come down to an to one surf spot, then it's going to be so crowded that no one's going to be able to catch a wave for yeah. themselves. Yeah. So that's kind of the downside of having really good ways on small islands because it can only handle so much people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but there's there's really good waves. Like almost all the islands in the Caribbean get really, really good waves. Could Jamaica I've, I've, have a tournament? If Could they, they have a, a, a – We a, used to. We had We had our international surf event every July. We had it for like 13 years. We had it since – 2007 I think was the first year yeah. and we ran it all the way until well last year we didn't have it because COVID yeah well not COVID but because my family my parents house burnt down and that was like right when we were about to start planning for it the house burnt down and we we're like okay we have to get that first priority and right. then this year because of well, no, I mean, previous year was because of house burn. And then this past year, this past summer was because of COVID. We couldn't have it. So we haven't had it for two years. Yeah. But it was running. We had it for like 14 years consecutively. And yeah, um, yeah it's cool to just, you know, see that there are really good waves in the Caribbean. A lot of islands that people don't even know have waves are actually really, really good. And it's just the industry in, in the Caribbean hasn't grown enough yet. Like there's not enough equipment available. There's no shops that sell anything relating to surfing. You know, if you need, if you have a board and it gets damaged and you need to fix it, you can't fix it because there's nothing to fix it on right. the island. And, you know, if you, you know, you've, you're surfing and your fin breaks off and you need a new fin, you can't get a fin. You have to like wait till someone flies to the States or, order it online and ship it in and you know that has been the big issue in most of the smaller islands is the availability of equipment not necessarily the wave quality because there's really yeah. good waves everywhere well you said this was when this one was in haiti is this yeah. just is this a, a competition or was this just that a... was that was a photo shoot i went with a photographer called john callahan he yeah. lives in singapore i think no um but yeah he was he's like a world world-renowned photographer and a friend of mine from Barbados named Zed Layson. He was talking with the crew and they were like, hey, let's do a Caribbean trip. And they wanted to, you know, explore Haiti because it's always such bad light on Haiti in the yeah. world, you know? Yeah. So they're like, let's go down there and surf because we know they're good ways. And you had a friend, he had a friend over there that always was inviting him to come over. So we went over there. We did two years, actually. We first year we did was... We got there the day, like maybe a week or so after the big earthquake wrecked the island yeah. or something like that. 2010. Yeah. No, the first time was before that, actually. 
Okay. The first time was before the earth, the earthquake, and then the second time was after, and yeah. But the first time it was really cool. We went to the, on the first time, the first trip we went to the north coast of the island, to um, what's the name of that place? Capetian. Yeah, Capetian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know Haiti. <laughs> well, I do, I, I do basketball camps in Haiti. Okay, cool. And, and so yeah, we I, surfed I, in Capetian. Yeah, it's lovely. We stayed at this, um, this um hotel place on the north coast called Cormier Plage. Mm -hmm. I just remember the name of that. It was like a hotel like out in the middle of nowhere. They say a lot of like UN workers stay there. Okay. Um, so we were like, it was like right on the beach and we just walked to the beach and surf a bunch of different spots and we got a boat to carry us and surf a bunch of different places too. And then the second trip was after the earthquake. And that trip we went on the south coast to Jacques Mel. And then we mm -hmm. stayed in Jacques Mel and surfed in that area the whole time. And it was really, really good. Really yeah. waves on both north and south coast. It's amazing spots there. And, you know, it's really nice to see the culture. And once you get out of the town and get, like, on the north and south coast, it's really lovely. Like, right. countryside, really cool people, no hustle from, you know, not, not like traffic or nothing. It's just, like, really mellow, really laid back and wonderful place. Yeah. I mean, Port-au-Prince is a pretty crazy place for yeah. sure. But you're yeah. right. Once you get outside there, we do our camps in Laogon, which is, I don't know, it's not, it's, like, I don't know, 13 miles outside of Port-au-Prince, but it takes us like two hours to get there. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because the roads because are the traffic pretty, and the roads yeah, traffic and, and the roads are like windy and yeah. crazy. But we, we, our camp, we do it um, just this outdoor court uh, downtown Laogon, but about a quarter mile down the road, they had to bury in a mass grave, like 25,000 people from the earthquake. Wow. It's just, oh. it's devastating. And what it, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it was incredible uh, what those people endured, you know, and what yep. they, what they continue to endure to kind of try to rebuild what's, what's going on there. But yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, it's a cool place and great people. And, and, and you know that like when you're, especially when you're able to get away a little bit yep. outside and actually meet people. Where's this one yeah. from? That one is from, I think that's in the Virgin Islands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one's in the Virgin Islands. What's your favorite spot in, in uh, the Caribbean to surf? Hmm. <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm choosing my favorite child. Um, um, it would be more like what favorite spot in what islands? <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. so many good waves here in the Caribbean. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, in, there's there's a wave in, in Tobago called Mount Irvin. It's like a super long wave. And when it's really good, it's like really big and just perfect. Like you can surf for like, I'm, I would think like a quarter mile. I'm not sure how long it really is, but you can surf for a really long ride. Um, and it's like perfect, just running all the way down. It has barrels and it's like really steep and like really fun all the way down. Um, in Jamaica... There's this spot that we don't really surf very often. It's called Iron Pot. It's a bit, it doesn't break unless the waves are pretty solid, pretty big. And then it breaks in front of some really, really shallow reef, but it's really powerful and really nice wave. Where's that? It's in, you know, White Horses, just St. Thomas, like about maybe 20 minutes east from Bull Bay. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you know on that end. Not so much, no. Okay. 20 well, it's, minutes yeah, east? It's, yeah, 20 minutes, 25 minutes going east from here. Okay, yeah. 
So yeah, before you get to, I've been over there before, but I didn't go that way. You okay, know, I kind of went You'd... north and over... and drove around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so it's like closer to. It's just as you pass the salt ponds, you know the big the two salt ponds in Saint Thomas. It's just like as you pass there, off what like where there's like cliffs on the beach. Yeah, it's like a, a reef that breaks out in the middle of the water out there, and it's okay. really good. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. so here's my geeky question for you now. Like, so I, I've snorkeled a few times in Jamaica. I've scuba scuba dived, and the entire time, I'm looking for sharks. Like, do you ever get worried when you're when you're into that? Uh, not even ever cross your nah, mind. No, nah. the sharks. Don't you think? I always say. I always teach. say. I, you yeah. teach. I'm sure people are kind of concerned about like what's in the water underneath me. Yeah, Did but I mean, sharks. The thing is, sharks don't really like rough seas. So if like the waves are breaking and it's like crashing and stirring up the water, you don't usually have many big fish that come into that area. Yeah. And like, unless there's like a whole lot of fish around, then you don't really have bigger fish because the bigger fish eat the smaller fish. Sharks don't eat people, they eat fish. Yeah. You know, so generally, unless, if there's like a big, huge school of fish like jumping everywhere, then you'd be like, okay, there's some bigger fish here trying to eat these smaller fish. But generally, you don't have sharks. And even in the Caribbean, the sharks that we do get, they aren't like those 20 foot ones that will like kill you you know <laughs> and i always yeah. say i always say i always just say like my my thing to just keep me cool in the water is that sharks don't eat black people <laughs> so that's that's, that's just kind of my thing i was like yeah, yeah. i'm cool you know yeah. of, you know i've never seen a shark report a report <laughs> a news report where a shark had a bitter black guy you know so i'm just like yeah I'll, I'll be fine i'm the only black guy in the water right now so i'm probably gonna eat somebody else if something happens have you ever have you ever been in such big water that it scared you? Such what? Big, like big water, big, huge waves, or um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, with surfing big waves, it's it's something that you work your way up to. Yeah. Um. You you don't just go out there with, you know, you kind of start small, and then as you get better, you push your limits and like go on bigger waves, bigger waves, bigger waves, and then like we've. You know, when there are hurricanes, we surf out here in down here. And I mean, I've been out in like 25 foot waves. Like, I don't even know how big. Um, been out in waves that you go out and you surf and the waves just keep getting bigger and bigger until you can't actually make it back out. Like you ride a wave and you're trying to get back out and you can't. It's so big and powerful, you can't actually make it out again. And then so you're like, all right, call it a day. Yeah. And you come in. Yeah. Um, but I have had a couple experiences in big ways that kind of shake you up a little bit, but yeah. it's, it's, you just have to make sure you know that you're fit enough and you just don't panic. Cause yeah. once you panic, you start hyperventilating and then you can't catch a good breath. And then that's when you freak out and you feel like something's going to happen, you know? So you have to just like stay really calm. Even the big ones, like the longest a wave will probably hold you under for is like 15 seconds. So once you stay calm and you take a deep breath, you can go on and the wave will shake you up a lot and let you lets you go in 10, 15 seconds, you come back up. Another one, you take another deep breath and go down. It's the same thing. You just but if you're panicking and hyperventilating too much, you can't hold your breath for five seconds. So yeah. 15 yeah. seconds underwater, you you'll definitely swallow water and feel like you're gonna drown. Yeah. So yeah, it's just you know, just 
work your way up to it, but know your limits, you know, don't go out if you have any doubt. <laughs> what about basketball? Did you ever dip your, your toe in the, in the sport of basketball or, um, or follow it at all? Or I don't really follow basketball. Um, when I was growing up, like in our area here, we played football. I mean, yeah. what you guys call soccer. Yeah. <laughs> and cricket was big back in the days in Jamaica. It still is a thing, but not as popular now as it used to be. So, I mean, that was what we did. Mm -hmm. um, but then the thing is, me and my brothers, we started surfing when we were, you know, we were pretty young. And once you start surfing, everything else gets boring. <laughs> so we kind of just started surfing right. and just stopped doing every <laughs> other sport. But I mean, like I have played basketball a few times, but it's not like something I do. It's not, yeah. it's not as popular in Jamaica when I was growing up as football. So, yeah. you know, they well, were, we're basketball turn into a, We're going to turn you into a Jamaica basketball fan. When we, when yeah. we make it to the Olympics, you're going to, you're going to. Yeah. Well, my aim, is, my aim is making the Olympics. Well, hopefully this Olympics, we'll see. Yeah. There's, a, there's cool. still a shot. There's still a shot that I have to do really well in the world championships in May. And yeah. if I do really well in that, then I could make the Olympics. Oh, how so awesome. That's, that's what, that's what me and the rest of the guys on the team are training for right now to yeah. just get that out of the way and hopefully make the Olympics and be on the first ever time surfing is in the Olympics. Well, tell me about that a little bit. I'm moving this because my picture is so dark. I can't figure out why, but um, tell me about that a little bit. Um, it's going to cool, be. No, just tell me about like the, the thought of, of competing in the Olympics. Yeah, that's I'm saying. It's going to be, it's going to be really cool because it's the first time. It's not just like, oh yeah, it's just the Olympics. Like the first ever time surfing is in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, if you, you know, to, to, achieve that would be you know <laughs> you'd be happy for the rest of your life basically yeah um just being able to represent your country i mean i've surfed i've represented the jamaica at the world championships at the world junior championships at the pan-american championships since 2002 i've been doing that like almost every year every other year i've been making the team um i missed a couple of years due to injury and stuff like that but most of the times I, me and my brothers and a couple of the other guys like, you know, Shama Beckford, Garen Price, Akeem Phillips, Shane Simmons, like you have some of those guys who are really like world-class surfers and we're always like pushing each other to do really well. And we go to those games and we usually do pretty well. Yeah. Um, but then the Olympics, it's like it's a whole like few other tiers higher than the world championships. And it's like, that's the ultimate event to participate in you know it's like the yeah. ultimate in any sport is the olympics so like that would be like a feat that would probably never be outdone you know yeah um and yeah just to be like to be able to act also then to be able to share the international stage with all the other sports as well not just going to the world surfing games but going to the olympics where you're there with all the athletics, you're there with the basketball teams, you're there with the football teams, you're there with the, you know, rowing, like everything, like all the best athletes in the world in every sport will be at that event. And just to be a part of that event would be, you know, there's, yeah, yeah it's really hard to even think of a word to, you know, sum up the level of like excitement and honor that would, that would kind of entail. Yeah. And hey, that's yeah. what's so cool about, about, 
the Olympics and that kind of the Olympic movement is, is that you, you get to uh, witness great competition that maybe you wouldn't get to see otherwise, but these are people that are at the top of their game. You know, basketball is like, it's easily accessible by everyone everywhere. Right. Yep. But, but um, your sport isn't, doesn't have the same access to people and it's the same sort of following, but but you know, when you're watching an Olympic competition, it's the best in that sport. Yep. Yep. And, and, um, and that's something that I'm attracted. I was talking, having a talking to a friend yesterday about, about um, a different sport that I don't spend a lot of time watching, but, but I love it at, at a high level of competition. Yeah. You know, and the thing with the thing which which I get to appreciate even sports like basketball and football and stuff that's really accessible to everyone everywhere. Yeah. The thing with that is to then be in the top most elite group. It takes so much more like skill and commitment because it's not like you're in a sport that, okay, there's only 10,000 people doing it in your country to make the top 100 is easy. If there's 10 million people doing it to make the top 100, it's like, it's that alone is such a great achievement, you know? So then to be like, okay, I'm the number one and two and three in the country. And then to then go to the Olympics and like, okay, the Olympics only allows the top 20 or so in the world to compete. And then to make that top 20 in the world, like, you know, even if it's chess, you know, it's not a physical sport, but just like the, the ability you have to have to be like the best in the world is, you know, no, I'm, I, why, yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. I love watching people compete at, at the highest at, level at anything, you know, and it's, I mean, even sports that I'm not a fan of, like I wouldn't watch them normally if they're on the Olympics, I'd, I'd check them out, you know? Well, it's, it's funny. Just, I was down in Jamaica. This was a couple of years ago and uh, I was watching the news and there was a huge dominoes competition yeah. that they covered on the news. And these guys, I mean, they were busting tables and, yeah. and I mean, it, it was intense, you know, just, yep. just the dominoes competition. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, dominoes is, is a pretty intense game sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, int- I mean, it takes a lot of knowing a lot of like, like a lot of planning, a lot of like, estimating and calculating with the game because there's only so many dominoes and when you get in your hand you have to like then strategize like okay i'm going to start with this and then depending on how everyone else plays you'll be like okay when that's out that's still there and that hasn't been played yet and if i play this then that someone might play that and then that and then it's like you have all these alternate possibilities that you're calculating in your head so when it all comes together, you're like, okay, you play this, and then the guy plays what you were expecting him to play, and it's like, yes, bam! And you're like, it just gets so intense, and people like stand up and just like start slamming the cards on the table, and it's like, bam! And it's really, it's really intense, you know. And but it's a thing there, you know. Like if if you don't know the game, you'll just see see them playing the cards, and it's like, yeah, like it's easy. You're just matching numbers, but it's so much more than just that, you know. Just like you know, any any sport that you or any game that you really, you know, get into in a really like intense way, it's going to yeah. be way more than what it seems. And yeah. 
all the strategies and everything is going to be intense. Well, that's cool. Thank, I appreciate you doing this with me today. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to keep you all night long. I do want you to before you go though. Tell me a little bit about how people can. I know you guys have a foundation. You've got the surf school going on. Yeah. Um, just tell people how they can uh, be a part of that. I know you got um, a skateboarding foundation too. Is that right? Um, we would have a skateboarding foundation, but that's more, I'm not really so big on the skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> I broke my leg and broke my wrist skateboarding <laughs> when I was younger. Enough so I kind of keep away from that. Yeah. I'm getting too old for broken bones. It take yeah. longer to heal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the skateboarding scene is pretty getting pretty big because we just, they just built a skate park right down the road from my house. Yeah. It's called the freedom skate park. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the first like full on skate park, like that level in jamaica um and it's and, giving kids alternatives right i mean yeah it's giving kids idea. alternatives because in jamaica there's not that many options for kids to like you know keep themselves in a productive activity you know mm -hmm. especially in areas like poorer communities like here like in bull bay it's a fishing community and the community is growing a lot because people are moving here because it's closer to town and it's easier transport, like easier commute to and from Kingston. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not a lot of opportunities for like development of like personal development here. Mm -hmm. So that project that they're doing, I'm actually working on that project too. I'm running the homework program there. Oh, cool. um, yeah. So it's like they teach kids. They have a program called EduSkate where they teach you how to skate and teach you life skills. And then I do the homework program there. And it's like some of the younger kids who, once they get better, they'll employ them as instructors to teach the next generation of skateboarders to, who are then coming up and you know, sort of like passing on the knowledge and allowing opportunities for kids to kind of just get their footing in something productive and you yeah. know keep their minds in something positive. And it's the same thing we do with surfing. You know, we, we teach the kids how to surf, just get them off the streets, get them focused on something that can possibly open up new doors to their, their future you know yeah, and yeah. yeah and what about jamnesia jamnesia it's my family run um we run a surf camp here yeah um we have rooms people come and stay with us we do tours we do a surf school i kind of run the surf school part of it yeah. um yeah and it's it's our family thing we've been doing it for years um it's we also my family we have a foundation that we're we just started up a couple of years ago called the Better Way Foundation. And it's like a nonprofit, you know, foundation that we do all of these projects to just kind of help the community around us and just like inspire the kids and just do whatever we can to help promote, you know. Yeah. As, as the name says, a better way, you know, yeah. give everyone else a better way of life as much as we can yeah. in any small ways we can, you know, like, for example, like one thing that we did when, when Corona just kind of, started flaring up and everyone's like oh yeah sanitization is a big thing and people are like yeah but you know you have to keep your hands clean or whatever we, what we did we got these big like these drums that they sell oil in and we like bought little taps and we installed them and just like cleaned them out made these hand washing stations and just like deployed them all over the community so people could always have access to like no matter where you are in the community you can always just like oh i feel you know wash hands keeping yourself clean and sanitized the whole time and a bunch of other different things and just to kind of just, you know, promote a good way of life, you know.
and it's what we do. And you cool. are good. I'm moving around here because not I'm seeing you very well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm turning my lights on. I don't know. I'm yeah, I know. I'm turning my lights on. Sorry. I'm. Not, I was. Yeah, man. I I normally do this when it's dark outside, and so yeah. it was light, and I forgot to turn the lights on in the house. <laughs> so anyway, I don't cool. know. Well, that's cool. So um, yeah, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. I wish you luck. A pleasure. Hey, and I hope. Are you going to be able to? Are you guys doing it no matter what the uh, the competition in May, or is that still kind of COVID contingent? That's um, the event itself was supposed to actually be last year because the Olympic was supposed to be last year, yeah, and that got postponed because of COVID, right? And it's going to be in this year, which depending on it's it's all depending on how the situation is. But as of right now, it's they're planning everything's a go right now. Um, they're going to just be go until it, if it can happen, it happens. If not, then they'll, they'll call it. Um, but yeah. And then they'll probably postpone it till the following year or whatever, um, or, or the next available time to actually do it. So yeah, it's, you know, we're working on it and training and just keeping, you know, keeping good spirits and just, yeah, keeping positive about everything. Cause that's what you got to do. Yeah. Go out there and do your best. Just make sure you are at your best so that when the opportunity arises, you can, you know, it won't be that you aren't physically at your best. It's like, yeah, I'm at my best. And if something goes wrong, it's something unexpected. Which yeah, it's in out surfing, of your hand. It's yeah, your in surfing, the only thing, that's the only, it, the only part with surfing because you could be your physically like performing the best you can. But then, as I said, you catch the second wave and the third wave was the best one, you know? Yeah. So you'll do your best and you'd ride that wave to your best ability and you're like, okay, you get a seven out of 10. But then the next wave behind it was so much better of a wave that the guy rides it the same kind of way you ride it, but because it was a better wave, he's going to get an eight. And then, <laughs> you know, so, you know, in those cases, you're just like, you go out there, you do your best and, you know, wait to nope. see how it all comes down. <laughs> regrets yeah well hey man i appreciate it let's stay in yeah, touch man. we'll uh we'll, next time we have a party over at ronnie's i'll make sure you know about it yeah man for sure <laughs> if you play the music loud enough we'll hear it from here and we'll just walk yeah. around <laughs> i know you will cool hey good luck yeah man all right thank you all man right. yeah, talk to you later all right nice talking to you yeah all right, bye yeah. all right that's ike wilmot yeah i don't know man i this thing is dark i don't know how to make it lighter i'm just doing my best anyway thanks for uh thanks for uh jumping on ika thanks for jumping on um and uh we'll do it again soon and i will have the lighting situation figured out by then uh keep your eyes on uh, nick richards up in uh, charlotte uh romaro gill is starting in the g league bubble here uh very shortly of course, Kofi Coburn is playing at uh, University of Illinois. Uh, Jordan Kellier is at University of Utah. Uh, Warren Williams is playing for the Jaspers in Manhattan and uh, um, playing pretty well and uh, averaging double-figure rebounds and close to that in points per game. I think they're about nine games into the season. And, uh, of course, lots of guys overseas playing, and uh, we keep 
keep our tabs on them. But uh, uh, yeah, we'll just keep on keeping on as we are moving forward as we push for Paris 2024. Thanks for hooking up with us today and we'll do it next time. Later.